Welcome to the CEO.Digital Show. My name's Craig McCartney. And I'm Darcy Thompson-Fields. And this is an open exploration of technologies and trends straight from the C-suite. You'll hear insights that will help you better deliver results for your company and its stakeholders now and in the future. You can find out more and stay up to date at ceo.digital. Welcome to this episode of the CEO.digital show. This week we spoke with Chris Gray of Red Hat about open source approaches to not only technology, but also the way we run our businesses. I'm really excited to take you straight into the episode with Chris. Just to note, we did have a few technical errors. You might hear a change in my voice later on as I re-record some questions. And clearly the health of my throat has uh, slightly deteriorated since then. So hopefully you won't be too thrown by that and you can enjoy the fab insights from Chris. Without further ado, let's get into the episode. On this week's episode, we welcome Chris Gray, Vice President of Strategic Alliances at Red Hat. Chris is responsible for all partnerships within Red Hat's North American sales division, including independent software vendors, cloud providers, global systems integrators, and IBM Synergy. Chris began his career in the military. He worked on submarines before teaching at Virginia Military Institute and then making the very contradictory move of joining the world's leading provider of enterprise open source solutions. Having started in sales and moving on to a serial entrepreneur role, helping partners leverage their technology through IoT and edge computing, his computer solutions are helping businesses all over the world. Chris, welcome to the CEO.Digital show. Yeah, absolutely, Darcy. Thanks so much for, for having me. I'm looking forward to the conversation. Likewise, likewise. Chris, as we mentioned there, you actually started in the military, an experience that must have been very structural and hierarchical. And you now find yourself in a very open and collaborative software company. Can you tell us a bit more about this journey? Yeah, absolutely, Darcy. I'm, I'm happy to share. And as you stated, it was uh, maybe perhaps a bit untraditional but I think what, what was great about the journey and how I got here is that I think I ultimately found out that it wasn't as odd as maybe I, I would have initially thought, right? So, and what I mean by that is the military is all about following orders, right? That's kind of where we start. And at the surface, you know, Red Hat's a company where I've heard multiple people say that a mandate from the CEO is considered at best a suggestion, Right. So those, <laughs> those two things are, are seem very much at odds. But a lot of times people don't understand that in the military, there really is an incredible amount of flexibility. There's an amount of innovation that you have to really take on yourself in order to best accomplish the mission. So there's never any lack of clarity around the mission or your orders. But how you accomplish that mission is, is very much up to you. And so I, I think the journey as I came into Red Hat was to learn how to balance and how to take advantage of the best of both worlds, right? How do you take that collaboration and, and the meritocracy, right? This idea of bringing the best idea forward, you know, how do you take that from the open source community and from the core culture at Red Hat and really combine that with the structure and the clarity of mission and the discipline that came from the military. And, and I think if I look at my journey, that's really what has really been the most successful portion was trying to marry those two things together 
and ensure that the team is really operating together in a way that makes sense and that helps us to, to accomplish that mission together. Fantastic. Well, we touched in the intro on kind of your role at Red Hat, but can you get us up to speed on what it is that you and your team do at Red Hat and what it is that you offer your clients? Yeah, absolutely. So my team, and actually I'll I'll touch those in reverse order. So what Red Hat ultimately provides for our customers is, you know, enterprise software that helps them to ultimately drive their business, right? And, And we always talk about Red Hat kind of being an enterprise software company with an open source development model. But we are first an enterprise software company that provides infrastructure platforms, you know, whether that's operating systems, container platforms, Kubernetes platforms, middleware platforms, et cetera, to help our customers ultimately accelerate their business and and help them really turn technology into a differentiator for them rather than just a, a support structure for the business. And where my team fits within that, within that structure, is that my team's responsible for all of the strategic alliances that we have here in North America, which is really focused on how do we take that technology, those platforms that we provide that are really foundational for the various solutions that our customers require, and how do we partner with the right organizations and with the right companies to build on top of those technologies and ultimately deliver to our customers solutions for their business problems, right? We, we are at our heart a, you know, an infrastructure software company that's not going to solve a core business problem in and of itself or by itself. But by working with our partners, we can provide our, our customers together the flexibility and the scale that's ultimately required to, to solve those problems. So that's really where my team kind of fits in and what we're excited to get up and, and work on every day. Fantastic. And we mentioned in the start, and I, I referenced this because uh, I've previously heard yourself as, you know, describing that you have a serial entrepreneur role. Can you describe what you mean by that and what that entails? Absolutely. Yeah. And this is one of the really, one of the, I think one of the things I've appreciated most about Red Hat is, is we have, again, that very open and collaborative culture and what really comes to bear at Red Hat is, is the concept of meritocracy, right? And this idea that the best idea can come from anywhere. And I've been lucky enough that throughout the years and really starting about a year into my journey here at Red Hat, I was asked to kind of take on new projects, new teams, new businesses, if you will, within Red Hat. And really was given complete latitude and complete uh, kind of autonomy to go out and try to make this happen. One of the first examples of that was we actually built out our first, uh, what we called the subscription education program, which was all around educating our customers on our subscription business model and what that meant and how we measured value and you know what subscriptions you had to maintain. And in the open source world, that concept was, was very foreign and you know something that had never really been done before and candidly there was no reason that you know some 30 something year old that had just come out of the military should be you know given the opportunity to build out that type of business but that was part of what what makes red hat so special right is is we had brought a good idea forward and we've been able to really turn that into something and that business was very successful, both from a financial and business perspective, 
but even from our customers, right? Even our customers were excited for the program. They were excited to help understand our business model more effectively. And because of that success, right, when you can marry your own business objectives with those of your customers, everybody wins and it becomes very successful. And then that successful, uh, you know, or that success rather kind of led to multiple other similar ventures, right, where we got to build out businesses around what we called our embedded business, which was all around embedding or OEMing our technology as part of other under other companies' solutions. That kind of evolved into, you know, the Internet of Things and the kind of the early days of looking at how devices could run on our technologies and do so in a way that was scalable and secure and still connected back to the fabric of the data center that Red Hat is is so well known for, right? And ultimately resulting in, you know, developing solutions with our ISVs and other partners. So all those things kind of all uh, came in, right, or all kind of almost landed like dominoes, if you will, from that initial kind of entrepreneur-type role. And that that desire to really build new things is really what, what gets me out of bed every morning, right, and makes me so excited to continue to work at a growth company like Red Hat. Fantastic. And I mean, you have given us kind of many examples there, but what is it, you know, what's the key differentiator for Red Hat compared to other software solutions businesses? Oh, absolutely. That's a a great question. And I'll go back to one of the things I mentioned early on, right? We're an enterprise software company with an open source development model. And if you look at it, that open source development model really is our differentiator. And the reason I say that is that in the open source world, there is no IP per se, right? There, there is no intellectual property that Red Hat maintains. We are actually, and, and we even say this in our mission statement, we talk about Red Hat being the catalyst in communities of customers, partners, customers and partners to really make better technology the open source way. And that really is what differentiates us, right? It's all about the fact that we don't just create technology, we actually partner with our customers, right? We collaborate with our customers in the community in a very open and transparent manner to try to bring the best that the open source community has to offer into an enterprise software model and layer that with all of the, you know, all of the support, all of the capabilities and the services that an enterprise company needs to be successful, right? And that that's really our differentiator is that we're not we're not trying to guess what our customers want. We, we're actually take we're partnering with our customers to take what we have built together in the community and bring that back into that enterprise software mindset, right? And it's it's that partnership and that you know really hand-holding throughout that entire process that gives us our competitive advantage and has allowed us and our people to continue to bring you know, great technologies to the market, right? Whether that was you know, Linux as an operating system, as well as you know, OpenShift as a Kubernetes platform, multiple platforms uh, that have really enabled that success. And that, and that all comes from our people and from that development model. And are there any kind of specific examples of the work that you're doing with partners, any that you're kind of most proud of? Yeah, there's uh, over the years, I think, tons of, of great examples. 
I'll talk to maybe two of those briefly here, just to touch on a couple different ends of the spectrum. The first one is we actually worked closely, and, and this one we can talk about in the in the public, right? We've this has been out in the press recently as well, but we worked closely with Schlumberger, right? Schlumberger, as you know, is is one of the leading providers in software solutions related to oil and gas, right? And really specialize in the exploration, oil and gas exploration space. And they were facing a challenge from their customers where their customers really wanted the latest platform, right? The latest oil and gas exploration platform close to where they were and in a, in a model that allowed them to really scale, but also not have to worry about managing those services themselves, right? So Schlumberger's customers were saying, hey, we want you to actually manage this application, right? We want you to manage these services on our behalf. We just want to consume the capability, right? We want to, to basically feed the data, our data into that application and have, you know, have your technology, have your capabilities come back and give us the, the business insights that we're looking for. And that provided a, a really incredible challenge for Schlumberger because, as you can imagine, their application scales wildly, sometimes not being used at all. And when you get new data from the various you know, drill sites, have to scale that application up very dramatically to make that successful. And they have to do that in a way that is compliant with local regulations and local compliance requirements, which means you need compute on site, right? You need uh, actual infrastructure within that country where you're doing the work. Those two things are, are very, very difficult to coincide with one another because you can't just put a data center in every country, right? The compute requirements are too too large. They're, it just doesn't scale, right? And so... What they found is that by leveraging or working with Red Hat and building their applications on top of OpenShift, right, which OpenShift is that Kubernetes platform that allows you to seamlessly deploy a containerized application onto any public cloud or private cloud implementation, by building and designing their application on top of OpenShift, it allowed them to actually deploy that application at scale on any of the local cloud providers that they had worked with and leverage that infrastructure on demand close to their customer in a way that was consistent, scalable, and secure across that entire global operating infrastructure, right? And then manage how those applications scaled up and scaled down based upon their customer demand, right? So just a, one of the things that was, you know, as we got through that implementation and looked at that, just incredible to see how we had really helped Schlumberger to, to drive forward their entire core business and, and work closely with their customers to best meet their, their, joint, their joint needs. There's a second example. I'll talk to it briefly because I know I spent a lot of time on the first <laughs> one, but there's also a great example with a large shipping company that we worked with as well. It's, it's much more straightforward, but they were working to really integrate or to put into place a large enterprise-wide automation project, right? They were really struggling with the scale of their network. They were struggling with how to automate different network tasks and how to, net, you know, how to automate uh, security remediation when they identified a particular you know, security vulnerability or what have you, right? Without having to actually walk around to each machine and take care of all those. So 
What was so fascinating about this use case, right? Our Ansible platform is a very easy way to automate those types of networking and security automation tasks. But what was so fascinating and made me so proud of this example is that we actually came together with 10 of our partners to make this work, right? And what I mean by that is the Ansible technology itself is relatively straightforward, but there were seven different workloads that this particular customer really needed to automate and integrate into this into this infrastructure. So we worked with all seven of those other software vendors, right, other ISVs, to actually help build the playbooks that would provide the automation for that end customer, right? And now those playbooks, those seven playbooks, are not only available to that customer, but we've now open sourced those, and they're available to the entire community, right? And that's that really shows the kind of the scale and the power of the open and development model, right, is the fact that we solved the problem for one, and now it's available to all. And then we also worked closely with a, a number of integrator partners that were actually implementing and managing that project. And we were, bring, we were able to bring everyone together, ultimately help to drive the business of all 10 of those partners, create new technological capabilities that then were provided to the community. And ultimately, at the end of the day, and this, this is the important part, we had a very happy customer that had a fully automated implementation, right, that they could then go and, and use to scale their business. So just those are a couple of the ones that I'm just really proud of because of uh, because of the impact that it really had to the customer. Thanks, Chris. Yeah, I think there's some great examples of, you know, kind of what you're able to kind of offer your customers and what you can achieve with an open source model. I feel like what I'm getting from those examples is that, you know, what you're really primarily helping your customers to achieve is business agility. Yeah, absolutely. I think you hit it head on. If we look at it on our best day, that really is what Red Hat and even what our partners are all about, right? I think across the industry, technology has transformed, right? Over the last, you know, well, it's been transforming ever since really the advent of of the, the modern day computer. But I think especially what we've seen over the last 10 to 15 years is this evolution of technology being just a supporting function within the business to turning into a true differentiator for companies, right? If you look at all of the different industries that have been disrupted over the, over the last 15 years, right, 15, 20 years, all of those disruptions have occurred because someone came in leveraging technology in a way to fundamentally make that experience better, more scalable, more cost-effective, right? More convenient and more accessible to the broader market and to our customers, right? There, there was some element of that that's always in place. And if I look at the power of what Red Hat does and the power of open source in general, it's all about trying to take as much of that complexity, as much of that technology as possible in making that easily consumable so that then our customers can focus on what lands on top of that platform that really provides them differentiation within their industry, right? If you, if you look back 30 years ago, people would actually build their own operating systems because it gave them some you know, small little advancement in performance, right, which was 
important, you know, maybe for the large banks and what have you, that where speed was all, you know, all about everything. These days, that operating system layer is commoditized, right? The best performance does not come from your own kind of tweaked implementation. It comes from industry standard implementation that's provided and that's available. And that allows you, it actually frees our customers up to not focus on those lower level technologies that don't really provide differentiation, but rather to to focus in on those applications and those capabilities that they can develop to ultimately differentiate themselves and better serve their customers. Completely. And you mentioned earlier that you were quite early adopters of IoT. And I was wondering if you could expand on kind of where you're seeing IoT going and if it's kind of helping to support or even just maybe benefiting from this model. Yeah, absolutely. And I think if I look at it, IoT in many ways, right, if I, if I look at the cloud and IoT, which I believe are kind of inextricably linked, right, both are really powered by open source technologies. And, and there's a couple of key reasons for that, right? The, the primary reasons are, are all around security and scale, right? It's around the fact that those devices have to be secure. You don't want to be worried about someone hacking into your devices or compromising the data that's coming back from your networks, right? So it's really all about security and then scalability and flexibility across that, that implementation are really critical. And I think that's one of the things that people looked to Red Hat, you know, or one of the reasons that people looked to Red Hat as they were designing these types of IoT use cases was they wanted the same level of security and capability out near the edge, right, as they had in their core data center, right? And with the advent of of containerization, that also enabled you to modernize the way in which you looked at your application structure, Right. And start to tease apart applications into different services. And then those services can then be run in different locations. So you may have a service, uh, an application service that you actually want to run out in the edge. Right. Maybe it's in your you know, manufacturing location. Maybe it's on your cruise ship. Maybe it's on your train. Maybe it's on the military vehicle that's out there. Right. All of those are implementations that, you know, where Red Hat's actually been able to work with those customers to take the exact same code that's running in their data center and actually put that out near the edge to provide that level of flexibility and security that that comes from that seamless connection back to the data center, right? And I think that, for me, that's one of the most exciting things that's really going on is that kind of seamless expansion of technology out towards the edge because that just unlocks so many new capabilities, right? And makes such makes such a business impact, or not even just a business impact, makes so much of even a personal impact to all of us in terms of how we engage and how we interact with the world. It's a really exciting time from a technology perspective in that way. Definitely. And I think whilst many technology-focused leaders are quite familiar with the open source model and approach these days, there are lots of kind of other business leaders who aren't necessarily. And I know you've had obviously experience in kind of providing education on this model. So I wondered if you could touch on kind of why it's so important that we educate business leaders on this model and also how you go about running that education. So I think it's incredibly important that business leaders be aware of this. And it's something that not everyone has been, right? And the reason I say that is that when you think about open source, it, 
especially you know 20 years ago, open source was kind of seen as this fringe within the technology world, right? It was uh, a lot of you know technologists kind of getting together to to build these you know interesting solutions, but it wasn't at the level of business impact yet, right? But now that that has transformed, right? That now that open source has really kind of caught up and surpassed proprietary technology out in the marketplace, it's important that business leaders understand the advantages that open source as a development model bring, right? And it's and it's not what we traditionally think of in terms of open source, right? It, it's, it's all about the advantage, uh, really around the advantage of expediting innovation. That's what really seen that has been so impactful to the business is that when the world works together to solve a particular problem or build a particular solution, that happens faster, it happens in a better, uh, you know, ultimate way, right, than if you were to do that behind closed doors, right? It's the old, you know, many, many hands make light work concept of really all collaborating together and finding the best, most elegant solution. And as we were talking about earlier, that solution is no longer around just the back office, right? It's now really looking at how you scale and how you drive business impact, how you best respond to your customers. So when I talk talk to business leaders about the open source model, the open source model doesn't have any magic in and of itself, right? But what does matter to the business leaders are the impact and the results of that open source model which is ultimately a more secure, scalable, and capable platform that they can bring to the table. The only other thing I'll add there is that the other thing I really enjoy about open source is that software, when you look at an application or you look at a particular solution or technology, sometimes it may not be the most elegant solution, right? But someone's been able to kind of put lipstick on the pig, right? Make that application look really great and market it very well. And you bring that to market and ultimately you as a consumer of that technology may ultimately be disappointed, right? When you look at open source, there's nowhere to hide. Everything is out in the open. It's often not the prettiest solution, but it's designed for security, for scalability. And I think that's one of the reasons that so many enterprise companies have looked to open source as the next wave of innovation, right? And just as an example, you know, 90% of the Fortune 500 is running on top of Red Hat technologies, right? 99% of the Fortune 500 is running open source technologies, right? So there's so many proof points out there that demonstrate that it really is a better way, a more secure and scalable way to develop enterprise software and and enable our customers to go meet their business requirements. Totally. I think the benefits you're touching on there of collaboration can be applied to so many industries beyond technology as well. So, you know, I mean, how can organizations kind of take a lesson from this open source model to collaborate and partner and achieve significant moves within their own industries? Sure. Yeah, I think that's a it's a massive opportunity out there. And I think it's one of the benefits that we've really started to to focus on within Red Hat, right? We've really started looking very hard at our own culture and what makes that special, right? The, the best advice I can give for anyone that's uh, looking to collaborate in that way is really focus in on the the why first, right? Start with that common why and 
What is that problem that you're trying to solve, right? And then really focus in on what we always call defaulting to open, right? So what that really means, what it's really talking about is the fact that we oftentimes want to go solve a problem. So what do we do? We go lock a small group of folks into a, you know, into a conference room and won't let anyone out until they come out with a, with a solution, right? What we found is the much more powerful way to, to collaborate and to solve those problems is to open that up to as broad an audience as possible, right? And that's, that's not easy, right? That requires a, a change in mindset. It requires a willingness to be much more transparent with your broader organization around what you're trying to accomplish. It, it requires you to be vulnerable and recognize that there are challenges and things that are very difficult to go solve. But if you can get around that, right, if you can get path, if you can change that mindset, then it allows you to bring all these ideas forward and bring forward the best one and really go and execute that, right? And the, the last thing I'll say there is you, you have to be bold in that execution, Trust the process. Trust the fact that that open model will bring the best ideas forward. Be bold. Go out and try it. If it works, fantastic. Chances are it won't work perfectly. In which case, you you know you adjust and evolve and and keep moving forward. Right? It's it's a very iterative approach, but it's one that ultimately helps you to get to a better solution. Fantastic. Yeah, I think it's inspired by always that community led approach, but it's ultimately going to see great results for, you know, individuals, businesses, and, you know, more widely whole industries as well. So it's a really exciting approach. Going back to the technology side of things, I wanted to touch on open hybrid cloud. I know this is something we we spoke about previously. Uh, You know, it is very much a technology that facilitates what you do and helps you meet your customer needs. Could you touch on open hybrid cloud and kind of why there's been a kind of quite shift in priorities this year? Sure. Yeah, ha- happy to do that. And and I think the the key thing, right, because we've been talking about open hybrid cloud for, for five to six years now you know, within the walls of Red Hat. And I, I think that what was so interesting, and maybe I'll, I'll start here with kind of what made cloud co- so compelling as a business model and as a tool early on, the cloud represented a level of flexibility that just did not exist before. Right. It allowed you to to scale faster. It allowed you to start up your application, start up your business with a a smaller investment. It allowed you to respond faster to market needs. Right. But at, at the end of the day, it has always just been a tool. Right. It has been a mechanism to allow customers to grow and evolve their business in a way that had not been possible before. So if you if you extrapolate that same concept, right? If you exact, extrapolate that that exact core concept there, then you will of course come to the conclusion that if clouds are a tool for accelerating a particular part of your business or providing that flexibility, there will of course be different clouds that provide different levels of capability or that provide different flexibility for different use cases or applications or that maybe operate, you know, in in the case of the Schlumberger example that we talked about earlier, right, that operate in different 
parts of the world and bring different you know, compliance and regulatory requirements to the table. There is never going to be a single platform that will be perfect or a single tool that will be perfect for every use case, right? For every need that your business has. And so, you know, we've seen this play out with the operating system. We'd seen it play out with middleware. We had seen it play out with automation and management capabilities. So we knew early on that this was going to go the same direction, right? That ultimately customers would have to be able to exist in a world where they leveraged multiple clouds, right? And that is really what open hybrid cloud is about. It's about how do we manage the best of every deployment model based upon your specific needs. And that may be one application needing to land in your own data center, one application being able or or landing on top of, you know, one public cloud provider, another one landing someplace else, or maybe even scaling across all of those platforms, whatever the case was going to require, right? But Ultimately, we've always felt, and I think we've now seen the market start to respond to this and start to recognize that one cloud would never be enough, right? So how you leverage that hybrid cloud and that multi-cloud implementation is really critical. And the only way to make that work, right, because we've seen this across the data centers as well, the only way to make that work is to take an open approach, right? All of these clouds are built on open source technology And if you don't have an open approach that allows for portability across various clouds and across various infrastructures, then you will always be struggling to meet your customers' needs. Many companies that weren't agile before had to quite quickly become so over the course of the COVID-19 pandemic. What were the sort of challenges facing these organizations in terms of digitization? And how does Open Hybrid Cloud and Red Hat in particular help to solve these? I see, or at least I tend to organize those challenges into two big buckets. The first one I'll just broadly kind of refer to is technological hurdles, right? Technological platforms and or technological issues, right? Ultimately, that has everything to do with both the agility topic that we talked to earlier, right? The, the ability to develop new applications and quickly get those new applications and capabilities to market, but also the ability to very rapidly scale up And unfortunately, right, what we saw during the pandemic is also the need to scale down those services, you know, those application services or those various workloads to help them to respond to the need, right? And I think if if we've learned anything over the, uh, the past 18 months here, it's that the demand that so many of us had spent so long kind of building these nice predictable models, right, you know, based upon traditional growth patterns and everything else, you kind of had to throw those out the window when it, it came time to, to deal with the COVID pandemic. So having a platform that enabled you to scale up and scale down based upon your needs, that allowed you to rapidly adjust your applications, you know, change the information and how you were sharing information with your customers, how you were engaging and reaching your customers, right? The ability to to rapidly move, you know, in, in perfect example is so many retailers that had been struggling towards e-commerce for, for many years had to really accelerate and ramp up all of those initiatives, right? Looking at things like that 
were huge challenges for all of our customers. And I think what the open hybrid cloud provides is effectively that flexible platform that allows you to scale and port your applications quickly from place to place. And it allows you, probably more importantly, to maintain a single kind of instance of that application, right? If you have 12 different applications that you've had to write to land on each of these different locations on each cloud provider, as it were, then it will take you 12 times longer to respond to a customer need, right? To update critical information in your application around COVID or what have you, right? It just takes so much longer to respond. So that technological hurdle was, I think, really critical in uh, in addressing some of the challenges that companies faced. The second bucket of issues, though, that I'll call out is one that I don't think was really as obvious as we went through it, but it's all around your culture, right? It's all around how you engage with your company, how your company responds to these types of challenges. And I think that's one of the things that the open collaborative culture that Red Hat maintains was incredibly well suited for, right? Because it was all around how do you, you know, it was when we faced this challenge, it was about how do you get the best ideas together? How do we respond? How do we iterate and evolve to best serve not only our customers, but I think we've also seen a huge re-emergence and I think a huge recognition that we have to equally focus or even more increase our focus on our associates, right? Upon the people that are that are in our organization and that are ultimately the ones that are making our customers successful, right? So that, that open culture and really being able to respond to best serve your associates as well as your customers, I think are, you know, that that's a an equally as large challenge that we all have to face. So speaking of the future and leadership, you know, we are already part of a digital age of mass disruption and change. As we touched on, the past year has taught us anything. It's that driving any business to success and resilience requires agility, adaptation and proactivity in uh, digital integration. So what personally has the past year taught you both from a sort of personal leadership perspective but also you know how that ties in with Red Hat as an organization and your own values? Great question. It definitely required a shift or a tweak in my leadership style and how we you know how we look at these things. Now the the open and collaborative approach that we refer to that's always been core to Red Hat, right? That, that was always there. But I think that the pandemic for me personally has really reinforced the idea and the, the understanding that we are all people first. Before we are employees, before we are customers, anything, right? We are all people first. And this year has been, this, uh, now it's been more than a year, right? The last 16 to 18 months, has been incredibly challenging for all of us as human beings, right? And I think it it reinforces the fact that we all have strengths, right? We all have opportunities to improve, right? We all have challenges, you know, challenges within the workplace, challenges personally, challenges with family and friends and dealing with the isolation that COVID presented for so many of us. And I think as a leader, it really requires you to be much more empathetic, to be much more aware and intentional around understanding where 
your team is, right? Where the people around you are and whether that's your direct team, whether that's associates within the organization, whether that's your partners or even your customers, right? There's, there's a level of, of empathy that, that you have to bring to bear first and really meet people where they are, right? And ultimately, I think what I learned through that process is the only way to do that on a regular basis or on a consistent basis is to really just be authentic, right? And I think that's the one thing that's come out for me during the pandemic is it really is around just owning your own struggles, right? Your own challenges, right? Just being honest and transparent around what's going well, what's not going well, taking the time to really name the issues, right? To name the elephants that are in the room and make it safe for others around you to bring forward that as well, right? Make it safe for those around you to, to bring their own challenges and struggles and opportunities to the table, and only by coming together at that kind of human level first does it allow you to then focus in on the mission and ultimately accomplish you know great things together. So for me, that was absolutely kind of the biggest learning as we've gone through this pandemic. Thank you so much for these insights, Chris. Um, before we do move on to our, our speed round, my favorite section of the interview, do you have any final pointers you'd like to share with our listeners? Yeah, absolutely. I think it's been a great conversation and I appreciate all the questions, right? I, I think the last thing that I'll, I'll throw out there is because I do think it's also so incredibly important, right, as we go through this time. And, and I, I'd actually heard this from one of our one of our leaders who called out it was, it was originally from the military, which, as, as we said, I came from. But there's a, a slogan that the Army has around mission first, people always. And the whole idea is, is pretty straightforward, right? It's the fact that, you know, we all have our own mission to accomplish, be that personal or professional. And, and we have to maintain that common mission as leaders. We have to ensure that there's clarity in that mission. But at the end of the day, we are always people, right? We are people always. And we have to recognize that first and exercise that empathy as we go. So just wanted to, to stress that here as, as we wrapped up. Fantastic. So now on to our speed round. I'd like to kick off with a question about, you know, how other people perceive you and your role. So in a couple of lines, how would your boss describe what you do versus how would your family and friends describe what you do for your job? Oh, that's a tough one. Um, so I'll, I'll run through those. So my kids would say, I have no idea, no idea whatsoever. My Wife would say something around, oh, he works with other companies to try to, you know, help customers leverage Red Hat technologies, and which I would say, hey, that's pretty good. And I'd like to say that my boss would say the same thing, right, or something pretty similar. With regards to my friends, yeah, no idea, right, to the point where one of my friends asked me, like, hey, how often do you get out there and uh, have to change the DVDs? And I, I wasn't exactly sure what he was referring to until I realized he thought I worked for Red Box and not Red Hat. That was a while back. But it shows that uh, my friends probably don't have the greatest idea. <laughs> Clearly a little misunderstanding there. <laughs> Just a little bit. <laughs> Moving on, do you happen to have a guilty technology pleasure? Oh, these days, I'd say since the pandemic came on, 
I'd say anything related to gadgets in the kitchen. So we've taken on, it's almost typical now, but it like taken on a lot of baking projects. We've you know, gotten big into making bagels and all kinds of things with my, my three sons. So anything related, you know, any type of new interesting thermometer that comes out, you know, we've been working a lot with, you know, pizza ovens, right, sous vide cookers to try to uh, change up the way we can make things. Anything to do with cooking, though, we've been all in over the past year. I feel like pizza ovens were, you know, maybe the kind of key product sponsorship of lockdown. I've seen so many people having them. And yeah, I definitely want one of my own. Definitely. They're hard to get now. (laughs) Well, finally, final question here. What does the future of your role look like? Yeah, I think it's, it's a really good question. I actually think that the role of partners within this whole industry landscape is only going to continue to increase. But I think what it looks like moving forward is going to increasingly become about multiple you know, multiple point connections, right? When we think about partnerships today, we typically think about our partnership with company X, right? Or company Y. I think as customer business problems get far more complex, it's going to become more and more critical that it not just be about a partnership between Red Hat and one of our key partners, but how do we actually facilitate our partners coming together to solve those customer business problems, right? Really building out the whole concept that we talked about with communities of developers, building open source technologies. I think there's going to become a community of partners that are building entire solutions in that same open source model. And I think the, the, as time goes on, I think my role will continue to evolve towards that type of cross-ecosystem engagement. Chris, thanks so much for joining us. We really appreciate your insights. Absolutely. No, thank you, Darcy, for having me. Thanks again, Chris. And also thanks to our listeners. As always, please do subscribe if you liked the content. Also give it five stars. You can also check out our CEO.digital site and our sister brand chief wine officer. We'll be hosting some events with Red Hat partner IBM on this topic on the 15th and 16th of September. So if you're one of our US listeners, please do sign up and we look forward to seeing you there.